overlooked pop culture. You are listening to the next report. And welcome to the next episode of the next report, where we talk about Unix and overlooked pop culture. I'm Thomas Holbrook, the studying second. <laughs> My name is Stephen Kelly, and I'm Stephen Tompkins. Let, last time, um, what did we talk about last time? Uh, let's see, I believe we covered uh, the Raspberry Pi. And low-powered com- computing devices and things like that. Well, we're going to kind of take a step back before moving forward with this episode. Because some things happened in 2013 that kind of were game-changers for a lot of places. And sometimes reflecting back can be invaluable when it comes to looking to the future and asking yourself, okay, where should I go from here? So a website that was pointed out was endmemo.com. And it's, I guess, major events are listed by year uh, from the 1800s all the way back to the 1000s, apparently, is what it lists. So that's a good website to check out. So, anyway, um, who shall start first with some the things that they picked that was major impacts? Do we want to do uh, maybe like one from each person and rotate through? That might be a good idea. Yeah, I, I like that idea. So, I don't want to go through. Yeah, we all, uh, you know, for the constraints <laughs> of time, we've all picked uh, two things that we thought were two of the bigger events for the, the year. And, you know, these are across the board. Um, World events, we've got tech, you know, gaming, pretty much any, anything that jumped out at us is game changers, pretty much. Oh, absolutely. And you don't want to be, you don't want to be first? I'd rather follow us up. Oh. <laughs> so, should we play rock, paper, scissors for this, or just pick one? No, you, it's fine. Okay. <laughs> just do the eeny, meeny, miny, move. Okay. Oh, to heck with it, I'll go first, then. <laughs> so... There there were a couple things I picked out, and one of them, I've gotten into arguments with people about this on Facebook, to the point where I'm, like, pulling my hair out and everything else. And whether people like this or not, it did cause some changes. It's one thing that people probably suspected for a long time, but one person takes the right person sometimes, whether what the way they did it was right or wrong, to basically say, yeah, that's pretty much what's happening. And that would be none other than um, Edward Snowden, what he specifically confirmed regarding metadata being gathered by various um, communications providers and what have you. Um, The information revealed basically saying, yeah, the NSA really is kind of uh, getting pretty deep in there regarding tracking people where they're going, what they're doing. And it doesn't even have to be whole conversations either. They can figure out where you've been, what you've been doing. Not everybody at once, but more like archive this stuff and look at it later. Um, what are your thoughts about all of this that has happened, basically dis- him disappearing only to pop up every once in a while? See, I have my issues with Snowden himself that I, I won't get into, but basically, um, you know, it. <clears throat> what he did was a crime, but you think about it, uh, we would not have had people discussing this situation at all had he not done, not, had not 
leak this information because if you like the NSA was basically pulling 1950s style army shenanigans where they were kind of running on their own, you know, or you know, CIA from the 60s. They were kind of doing their own thing and they had way too much power for what they, you know, with little to no oversight. Right. And the good thing about this whole situation is by Snowden leaking all this information, everyone justifiably got pretty angry about it, and it looks like, despite what the president has said in recent uh, interviews and stuff, it looks like they're going to be scaling it back to some degree. So, at least, you know, not, even if they are going to spy on us, because let's face it, I, most people know, knew that something like this was going on anyway, but the fact that they're storing the information and have, building these enormous data centers and stuff, I think, is what was scaring people, because, you know, it doesn't take long before... I mean, think about it this way. Let's say that you're doing uh, research for a paper or something, and you go to... Because I've, I've had classes where, you know, you, you have to go and look up, like, neo-Nazi websites or something oh, like that. Yeah. Now, imagine, if you will, you're on there doing all this stuff and looking up these websites. Like, I did a, I did a, a paper on school shootings one time, and I was looking up tons of information about school shootings. And, and this, you know, this, this was years ago, but in a modern era... If I consistently start looking up school shooting stuff, I'm going to get my name put on a database, you know, say, well, this guy's looking up all these criminal things. So it just kind of makes you sit there and, and think about, you know, do I want my name attached to this? And it, that's something, you know, that we honestly shouldn't be worried about. And so that's, that's kind of right. my, my situation with it. Well, it, it really just bridges on people's privacy in general. I mean, it's not just... It's not just uh, the fact that he leaked specific information. It's just I'm pretty sure I don't want I don't don't quote me on this, but I'm pretty sure they've had data centers around for a long time. Yeah. Maybe not for the same purposes, but they've been repurposing some of them, updating some of them, and then doing some of these things where they're collecting metadata from people. Like say you search something like you said, uh, school shootings or right. uh, specific bombings and spe- like in school buildings or. Uh, public building, Al Qaeda. It's what it's doing is probably searching through keywords, and then from that, linking that information with information from your computer. If you have like your user information stored in there, like your name, email, such so so on and so forth. Which, if they extract that data and then save it into a database, of course nobody wants their name attached to that. Right. And honestly, that shouldn't be going on. And 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 just to be clear, there there is like there's been arguments going, oh, why doesn't he come back and stand trial? Well, there's a good reason for that because he wouldn't be allowed with court case precedents, he wouldn't be allowed to argue his case. Um, this happened with Manning as well as yeah. others, and more than likely, what they're doing is playing a giant game of chess. Basically, as long as they're alive somewhere and some hot spot somewhere to where if anything is tried the agency and country basically is screwed basically it would force them to actually look at their own internal policies and keep the debate going if suddenly he dies he's not mar- he's not martyred in this case it'll be back to business as usual that's more likely the possible thinking behind that um, and it's easy for people to say one way or another, whether he was a hero, traitor, whatever, when you're not in the position of making a significant income only to decide to do something else. Um, 
we don't have all the information on what he is doing at this point, so it's kind of hard to speculate at this point. And the news media has made a giant circus out of the whole thing, so you can't really have a clear opinion of it because, you know, Fox News wants him to get attacked by a drone versus, you know, some places he's he's a the Jesus Christ of modern times. And it's just kind of like there's no middle ground to it. It's these two ridiculous extremes that it's kind of like, okay, guys, we need to take a step back. Because, like, even, even senators like Rand Paul are saying what he did wasn't right, but... It's also not right that a big wig from the NSA lied to Congress either. Definitely. So, it's it's to the point where something like that shouldn't have had to have been done in the first place, and everything else. Um, I, where where what will happen with these revelations? We'll, we'll pro- only time is going to tell on this whether people do. You know anything about it or not? We'll we'll see. Um, but moving either way, um, he was a candidate for Time Magazine's Man of the Year because of the way things were shook up. Um, and speaking of which, one of your topics, I think he got Man of the Year, didn't he? Uh, did 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 the Pope get them the Man of the Year? I think he did. I'm kind of out of the loop with magazines, unfortunately. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, one of my topics I wanted to talk about was the whole uh, papal transition that went down. Because it wasn't, you know, the first time ever. Oh, you, uh, do you have an update on that? Yeah, he was Time's Man of the Year. Nice. But, um, you know, Pope Benedict XVI, uh, due to ailing health, actually stepped down. He did not die, which was the, you know for hundreds of years, has been the, the precept for all that. And a uh, basically this uh, this cardinal named Alberto Bergoglio ended up, uh, or excuse me, uh, Jorge Bergoglio, sorry, Alberto's his brother, that he uh, became the new pope. And the, the, the there's a lot of reasons why it's earth-shattering is mainly because he... Uh, is the first time that they've had a pope from South America. It's also the first time that um, they've had a pope that basically really espouses the uh, the teachings of Jesus closer to what they are. Because let's let's face it, a lot of people don't like this current pope because he goes out of his way to tell people to be cool with the poor people. Basically, he recently fired everyone but, I think, two people out of the papal bank, and he refuses to live in the giant pope castle and drive the pope car and all this other ridiculous, you know, he doesn't wear the giant gold chains. He's basically abandoning all the the crap that the church has, basically all the stuff that caused the Protestant Reformation in the first place, the the church's giant wealth, you know, expenditure and all this other stuff, and... You know, it's funny because recently there's been all these people that are, uh, like, especially neoconservatives that are Catholic that have been coming out and just blasting him. I think they had a giant thing on Fox News where they were uh, rattling off how he was a Marxist and all this other stuff. And it's funny because if you, you know, I'm not making a point for religion or anything on here because I'm not even Catholic nor am I technically Christian, but... (laughs) 
it's it's I used to be Catholic, and had I if I was still Catholic, you know, a pope like this probably would have made me stay with it because Pope Benedict the Sixteenth, despite looking like uh, the Emperor from Star Wars, <laughs> seemed like he was kind of not a cool dude. He was a former Nazi youth, you know, and he had all these. He, he basically came out and immediately made all these decrees that basically put the church 50 years in the past. This new pope, while he's not, you know, a giant, like, huge liberal pope or anything like some people are pretending, he's very much against, you know, homosexuality and stuff, but he comes out and says, hey, let's not be dicks to people. Let's, let's come out of here and let's be nice to people. You know, let's not ostracize people because of their faith. Let's... If someone's an atheist, cool. Let's not throw rocks at them, you know. And I think that's what they need to be doing because pe- people are leaving the church in droves, and it's just kind of like any of the religions because of this kind of stuff. When they base their entire doctrine on, you know, anti-Semitism or right, you know, anything like that, or anti-homosexuality, for the new pope to be coming out and saying stuff like this, it's it's kind of a a breath of fresh air. Um, Stephen, your thoughts on on this thing? I I, I remember uh, watching his uh, well, it was a short clip of when he first gave gave his first speech, and just like Stephen mentioned, uh, the fact that he came out there and he wasn't wearing all the gold chains, he wasn't wearing any elaborate um, attire. It's just he was just more or less just straight dressed, and he came out and gave a speech. To the point, and uh, is is very humble. Um, and uh, when you mentioned that people are coming out and claiming that he's Marxist, yeah. I find that very contradictory, because <laughs> in the uh, Communist Manifesto, Karl Marx mentions something about religion as the opiate of the people, which basically means it just makes them feel better. It, that's the only purpose of religion, which. I'm not a very religious person, and I'm not really trying to put down religion or anything. It's kind of true. <laughs> well, and I think a lot of that stuff comes from, you know, like, right-wing media, let's face it. Obama has been called both a Marxist and a Nazi, and, you know, situations like that where they can't keep their own slander straight. So, you know, it's just kind of like they, they want to go for shock value, and it's... You know, they'll come out and say whatever they can to make people go, What? (laughs) It's quite ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. And the thing is, um, let's be real here. This guy's not perfect. You look into his past, you'll find some not so very pleasant things, but what, what he's doing is probably some damage control that would need to be happening for the organization so they don't lose so many members and and all of that to like the, the whole bling thing and the whole you know fancy vehicles and things like that um, like you know he still is saying homosexuality is a sin and all of that but you know other things are being scaled back in the sense of Maybe we shouldn't be horrible to other people. Well, even though he he says you know it, it's a sin, he isn't saying let's persecute them and burn them at the stake, and or like some people want to deport them to like their own colony and stuff. He's basically saying, you know, 
which I think a lot of people are saying, I don't, you know, we don't have to like this, but let's not be jerks. Right. <laughs> sort of like um, certain certain atheists' um, philo- uh, outlook of don't be a dick. And I think I have a quote about his uh, the Marxist thing. He actually um, has said something about it because I know Rush Limbaugh was actually one of the people that like did an entire hour-long show about how he was Marxist. Now, keep in mind, um, Limbaugh recently did an entire show about how the polar vortex was liberal propaganda, and anyone that stepped outside uh, in the in the cold weather could know that Rush Limbaugh was just working on a slow news day. Um, but the Pope actually did a speech, basically one of his many drop-the-bank moments, where he said, Marxist ideology is wrong, but I have met many Marxists in my life who are good people, so I don't feel offended. There's nothing in the exhortation that cannot be found in the social doctrine of the church. Pope out. He, he, didn't, he didn't really say Pope out. But. Pope out. <laughs> that oh, been great. So, definitely a game changer on that on that front, and and things will definitely be very interesting. See what he does this year. Um, other Stephen, you you have more of a, a fun thing that kind of shook things up. Uh, what was that? Uh, well, I um, back in 2012, I opted into the beta a beta for a lot of things for uh, Valve, and one of the things that they released just this year, just recently, was uh, Steam OS, and I find that to be one of the most crazy things that has come out in the last couple years for video games or gaming in general and for those of you that don't know what SteamOS is it's basically uh, the Steam uh, distributor or uh, software distributor that you can get all your games on on top of Linux and they're offering their own Steam machines which uh, OEMs and partners are going to sell and you can also build your own right now. It's in the beta stages right now, but it from some of the um, uh, processes to install it, it's really not all that complicated. But um, they also came out with a controller for it, which compared to a normal like Xbox or PS3, or well now Xbox One or PS4 controller, it's quite different. If you look at if you manage to get a picture of the Steam Controller, go on their site. What it is, it's it's kind of a standard shape, but instead of having, like, your X square triangle circle or your Xbox buttons, you have two touch pads, which are clickable, which basically function as the uh, left mouse and right mouse. And you're, you're supposed to be able to use those in a game to move around and click them to use whatever weapon or whatever things, other things, and then there's also a few buttons on it, a, uh, a touch screen in the center that will open up your Steam menu interface, and you can go to your settings, a chat menu, and everything else, and I find this to be just ridiculous. I signed up for the beta for this, but I didn't get invited, unfortunately, but I would love to be able to try this out. It definitely looks interesting. I I'm skeptical on it, but the fact because the <coughs> problem I always have with the controllers 
I know the PS4 controller has this issue. Is sometimes they like to put the buttons in weird places, and like this one, it's it's got like the touch screens in the center and like a little square, and then there's an X, a Y, a B, and an A button around the touch screen, which are the normal you know four buttons that you would have normally on the right side. Mm-hmm. But instead, they've got the second analog pad, so. I'm worried that it might be hard to touch the Y and the B button at the top. Because the original Xbox controller had those black and white buttons that were like like up in the upper left-hand corner of the I, controller. I remember those. <laughs> and you had to have giant Goliath hands in order to use those oh, with anything. Man. So I'm, I'm I'm skeptical, but it's an interesting idea. And if you know, because controllers have become more and more ridiculous with the amount of buttons and crap they have on them, which you know this is de- de- definitely taking a streamlined approach to it. So. You know, it's, it doesn't have a D-pad and a and analogs. It has just you know two. So, well, just like you're saying, I'd, this is part of the reason why I wanted to uh, opt into the beta and get a hold of one of the machines that they've sent out because I'm not sure that I'd like the controller. Honestly, from looking at it, just straight looking at it, it looks like crap. But it it is new. It's revolutionary, and it's something new to try. And I I really want to see how it functions. Because of the, the two touch pads, the buttons look in an odd place, and I don't think they're going to be easy to use. They also have triggers on the uh, front, just like you would on an Xbox or right. your PS4 controller. I mean, I, I can see what they're trying to do here, too. Like, one one side can be used to move the person around, the other side can be used to possibly position the camera angle, depending upon what the game is. And then the buttons from there are for the appropriate functions, and they're try- looks like they're trying to position them to where thumbs can conveniently access them. Now, is that thing on the back, I'm um, looking at a, a schematic of it, it's got the, you know, what the L1, R1, basically, yeah. from, like, modern controllers. Does it also have a third button on the back, or is that just a design? Are you talking about there in the center? This thing right here, there's like these two. Oh, I'm, I'm not completely sure what those are. Um, I think they might be uh, touch sensors, kind of like how the um, uh, uh, PS Vita has a touch sensor on the back. Yeah. But I'm not sure. I don't see anything on their site about it. Because it may or may not Oh, have... wait, 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 wait. Oh. If you look at the bottom on the right and left side, one is for crouch. The right side is for crouch, and the other one is for your zoom, your standard Okay, so... So it does have bindings, and they are buttons. It's not touch sensors. It kind of looks like, uh, which that's interesting, because it, like it, it's basically got two more buttons on the back. Like you, you've got, you know, your index finger will go on L1 and R1, and you know the L and R buttons, and then the, your other three fingers. There's like a large pad that you will be able to touch. It looks like on the back, or push a button in. So that, that's interesting. Kind of reminds me of the Z trigger that was on the. I was the actually going to mention that. Yeah, the Z trigger on the sixty-four or the uh, right or the GameCube. Yeah, it's it's quite an interesting approach. I feel like if if you would get used to this controller, it would be very viable in like since it's got touch pads instead of an analog um, stick or a D pad, it would be very viable for things like a first-person shooter game. Oh, I don't know. I don't know if anybody's played one of those. I'm a computer gamer myself, and 
I have my mouse that's cranked up to almost 5,600 DPI, which is pretty ridiculous. <laughs> if you're playing a first-person shooter with a sniper, you can spin around and go kabam and get somebody right then and there. Nice. And I feel like this will be able to introduce some of that functionality to a controller. And it's a good alternative to, uh, like, because the... Uh I play a lot of first-person shooters, but I'm more of a console gamer myself. And one problem that... The one reason I enjoyed playing those kind of games on the Wii was that the Wii was sort of the bridge between uh, PC controls and console controls, because you had more control than what you would with thumbsticks. And, you know, I'm used to playing it with a PS3 controller again, just because that's what I primarily play now. But something like this could bring back the the motion controls type... You know, sensitivity without having you flailing your arm around. Oh, yeah. Like, like the Kinect wants you to We're do. Throwing the throwing the controller into the TV. I had a friend that broke a TV doing that. Well, like, you know, I love motion controls, but some games use them well. Like, the Call of Duty games actually had pretty good motion controls, and so did Metroid on the Wii. But I some games, like, uh, there's a game called Red Steel, instead of just having, like, pushing a button be something, it was like, you know, wave the controller, so if you were doing something crazy, you would end up, like, making yourself tired because you're constantly flailing your arm around. Kind of like one of those dance games. Uh-huh. I hated those. <laughs> um, along with the uh, controller that, and uh, SteamOS, uh, one of the things I uh, read recently uh, within the last couple months is there's a AAA title out now which came out recently called um, uh, Metro Last Light. Oh, which, yeah. Which is the... Uh, Successor to Metro 2033. The company that makes it, I can't remember it off the top of my head, but they said they were going to back SteamOS and Linux in general. Their titles going to be available on Mac OS X, Windows, and Linux. So this is going to be one of the first AAA titles to hit Linux, other than the games that Valve has released, which is a big thing. So that... So it'll be interesting to see where Valve is headed with their technology. They're supposed their controller's supposed to be open, hackable, and everything else. Might even see some third-party controllers that do interesting things. Maybe Pelican will put out a <laughs> those companies that used to put out those really cheap, horrible controllers. Mad Cats. Yeah, Mad Cats. <laughs> oh, Mad Mad Cats wasn't. We horrible. put the knights in this it, one. It wasn't horrible, but oh, I I, I still own some one. of those. The new bad company is this one called Arsenal. They, they put lights in everything. And so you get a controller with the glows, and then it breaks within two weeks. And you're like, thanks, guys. So moving right along, my second, pro- my second uh, thing that I've chosen was none other than the Boston bombings. And not just because of how tragic the event was. It was a very tragic event where all of a sudden things exploded, but... But you had something else that was happening. You you had you had idiots on idiot pundits on TV making speculations and trying to possibly tie it in with so-called Tea Party people. And it was going back and forth from it. It was Muslims too. No, it was it was Tea Party people. No, maybe Muslim. And it just got to be a big mess. But what I noticed is that. You even had people on 4chan spotting pictures of suspicious-looking people going, wait, what's this? What's going on here? More people are starting to pay attention. Even if what they're seeing isn't necessarily what they think it is, they're starting to notice more and more things. They're just kind of out of the ordinary. Um, people were being more observant going, wait, something's not right here. And then, and then you have people 
finding out more about one of the suspects who eventually got shot and killed, and and what have you. Um, thoughts on this particular one? My only problem with uh, what went down with that is there was a lot of misinformation uh, before they actually uh, um, announced that it was the the Sarnayev brothers that had done it. I remember that night when the manhunt was going on, there was a lot of people that had gone in and pieced together. Like, they, they had figured out who had dropped the backpacks off. You know, they had a, a clear picture, and someone jumped to the conclusion that it was this guy that had disappeared from their uh, their college, and they assumed that he, you know, was getting revenge or something. And they had basically given found out, like, through using, like, Facebook and stuff like that, they found lookalikes for these for these two guys that were, I, I believe it was, it was like a, a, a Caucasian guy and a guy that looked like he might have been uh, possibly, like, Filipino or something. I can't remember exactly. Right. But they were both, you know, they found pictures of them wearing Occupy shirts, and all of a sudden it turned into this, oh, my God, anarchists, you know, from the, anarch- or the Occupy movement, and... People had found all this information. I woke up the next day, completely different suspects. And it was funny because, like, the news was reporting on this. Like, like they, without doing any of their own, you know, vetting of sources or anything, went out of their way to start reporting on that. And so there was tons of this misinformation. You know, the next day you realize it's Jokar Sanaev and his older brother, and you're like, oh, well, crap. (laughs) So they basically wasted ten hours of everyone's time with complete misinformation, and that's, you know, you end up, it fuels a lot of things where people are saying, oh, no, it wasn't them, and blah, 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 is because, you know, they kind of jumped into it a little bit too, it, you know, and I'm not doubting 4chan's ability to, you know, crowdsource right. something like that, but I would rather trust the police department than 4chan, I hate to say it, <laughs> <laughs> to do their job. But there were, basically, they were, they were spotting other things that the media wasn't spotting, Going, wait, what the hell are these people wearing hats with specific logos that Marines would also wear doing there? And it's just like, and come to find out later, the suspects, the government had already been looking at them for quite some time, but somehow, some way, they were still able to pull these things off. Yeah, apparently there was a, uh, that's the problem with, with how the government works, is the agencies don't actually have People seem to think there's, like, a giant government database with all the information on it. There isn't. Like, the CIA might have, or the FBI might have files on someone that their, you know, law enforcement is looking at. And, but they don't have access to, like, immigration papers or something. So they, it's it's the situation where, in one hand, it would be nice if that information was available across, you know. Right. But... Also, then you end up with with an NSA type situation where one agency has way too much information. So it's this kind of like bad, two bad situations that you don't want to give too much power to one or the other. So right. it's kind of like, Ugh. and because there were also people flying, you know, basically left hand, not knowing what the right hand was doing. Yeah. Or or even going so far as suggesting it was a drill gone horribly wrong. Somebody screwed up somewhere and. Everything else, which who knows on that one. Well, like the older, the older of the two brothers, like obviously had gone over to where he's where they're from because they're they're uh, from Chechnya, and 
had become radicalized. I mean, they had they were following them because he was participating on radicalized forums and stuff. You know, the trial hasn't happened, and he's not technically a you know he's an alleged suspect. We'll point out that you know we don't know for certain, even though it's pretty much certain. <laughs> but it, it looks like the older brother, like pretty much brainwashed the younger brother from what people are gathering. So it's kind of this awful situation that these two guys that were, you know, fairly popular, the the younger brother was very popular in, you know, his high school and everything, but all it took was the older brother to get ostracized and feel bad and go out of his way to read up on this kind of stuff and look where we are. Um, Your thoughts on this other Stephen? Um, basically, I, the problem that I see is, just like Stephen mentioned and you mentioned, Thomas, is that the, uh, the underlying problem and the big picture is that there's just a problem with communication. And it all started with the media and within the first ten hours just going nuts, putting everything out there that they possibly can. Between that and, uh, uh 4chan, I get, I've never really used it much or browsed on there much, but uh, it's a good thing to get a lot of information out there quickly, but to get the wrong information out there quickly can lead to some very, very bad situations, just like what just happened. And, and it's in a public space like that. And I have a feeling we'll, you know, kind of segueing into another episode, but can definitely see more people trying to observe things for themselves instead of just staring blankly at a television screen. Um, you have you have another thing that, that you noticed was major major thing. Because we mentioned gaming earlier. You have a gaming topic um, regarding the PlayStation 4. Do we want to do that one or save it for the the next one, the predictions? Oh, that's the prediction. No, wait. I'm skipping ahead of notes. My <laughs> um, you had, no, you had another... Oh. No, not a gaming one, but a science one, actually. Yeah, next episode, we're going to be doing uh, predictions for 2014, so we'll have some, uh, some other fun stuff that we're going to talk about. But for now, science. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to discuss... Uh, <laughs> There's actually a new space race coming out um, right now because you know that uh, the American space uh, industry has been kind of stunted a little bit. The, they decommissioned the space shuttle, which I'm not against necessarily because the space shuttle was created in the late 70s and early 80s, and it's it's old technology. You know, even though they've gone out of their way to fix the space shuttles, I think the last one they built was the Atlantis, and that was still you know, a long time ago, they, uh, the space shuttle has run its course, and it was really expensive to fly space shuttle missions, so they need something else. So you've had two things come of that. You've had uh, them, with, with America, you've had uh, private companies that have started running missions like SpaceX and stuff like that, and you've also had, uh, you know, us partnering up with the Russians a lot more. But... One of the most interesting things going on right now is that there's a new space race that has come up. A lot of developing countries have started uh, chipping in. So you've got recently China has sent a a robot to the moon, 
and China is actually planning on doing a, a moon mission. And, you know, there's a lot of people that are cynically, oh, we've been there, done that, <laughs> you know, that's that's fine and all, but, you know, it. one of the big things for, uh, like, developing countries, if they want to feel like they're on the, the, you know, the big stage, is to have some sort of space mission. And if China can go to the moon, I mean, let's face it, we haven't been to the moon since, the mid, like, the mid-70s, and... There's all sorts of stuff. We didn't have good science back then when it came to you know that kind of stuff. So there's a lot of stuff that they can do that could potentially help us. And also, India uh, recently launched a uh, a probe to Mars. And you know, you run into a lot of situations where a lot of people are um, kind of questioning how India, which has a lot of problem with wealth disparity and um, there's a lot of poor people in India, how they could spend that kind of money. But one interesting thing is they sent, they launched their rocket and sent it off for a fraction of the cost of what we always spend. And, you know, I think it's it's exciting that you have all these, these new countries because, you know, we've basically become completely complacent with it. You have, you know, they'll, they'll send up... We have the International Space Station, and they'll send up, you know, the occasional probes. But basically, our entire space program has been to send up, like, telecommunication satellites and stuff like that. We don't really do anything interesting anymore with it, aside from, like, the Mars rovers and stuff like that. So you have these countries that are jumping in, putting their hat in the ring, you know, and that combined with, like, SpaceX and these companies. I think, you know, a lot of science fiction stuff that we think, you know, this will never happen, might come true eventually. Um, absolutely. Um, from the piece that, that I'm looking at from planetary.org, it's mentioning Japan as well as other countries. And right now, I, I think space exploration is a good idea, because if we don't do this planet on a planet-wide th- scale, um, we're going to eventually wind up becoming extinct because we're not going out finding new resources, you know, to utilize and everything else. Because at some point we're going to have to be able to go beyond the planet Earth. Um, whether so-called global warming happens or whether it's something else, I'm sorry, we don't have as much control over the planet as we'd like to think we do. At some point, some things are going to hit the fan with planet Earth, and unless we're prepared for that, humanity is pretty much doomed, as well as every living thing, as everything's hitting the reset button, so to speak. Yeah, I think you mentioned Japan. Uh, Japan, if I'm not mistaken, are trying to send a probe to catch a comet, I believe, this year, aren't they? Something to that effect? Um, moving forward with lunar and asteroid missions. Oh, it was right there. I think I remember hearing something about that a while back. Because they have a they have a probe that circles around uh, the solar system that I think they're going to divert to try to grab a comet here soon. So is it a specific comet that comes around every so often? I believe so. It's I one. I can't. I, I remember it was one famous one. It's not. It's not like I don't think it was Halley's comet, but I know it's another semi-famous comet that comes around and gets real close to our orbit. I think so. I, I don't have the specific information on that, unfortunately, but I. I remember reading a, uh, an article about how they were thinking about doing that. Cause it's, it's like an old probe that's been up for 10 years. They think that it might start 
shutting down soon, so they figure that the last hurrah for it is to try to get this comet, I guess. Well, uh, one interesting thing I, I noticed uh, that started late in 2010, if, if you're familiar with the site Indiegogo, yeah. it's a bunch of crowdfunding campaigns and whatnot. I saw a crowdfunding campaign for uh, something called Mars One. It's, a, it's what they consider the first private Mars mission in 2018. Uh, right now, they're sitting at about halfway to their goal, but what it is, is it's supposed to de- uh, establish a permanent settlement on, on Mars. Oh. It's called, uh, the, the company behind it is called the Mars One Foundation. And, um... Is that the one where it's the one-way trip, and they're looking for volunteers to do that and everything? I remember I'm not about sure that. about that part. Um, they've got a bunch of links on their site to uh, get more information. Because r- right now, they're, it, it's it's flexible funding from the looks of it. It's, it's the one where they're trying to do 400000 and they're ha- a little over halfway to their goal with 19 days remaining. If I'm looking at the correct one. Yeah, you are looking at the correct one. Okay. And, and crowdfunding... Um, that's, crowdfunding can work if if you have a good reason to crowdfund, and this looks like a good reason to fund it, or a good reason to use it, because it's something that's beyond your initial capabilities to raise money for. Um, it'll be interesting to see what they can do. Well, considering they're almost they're they're over halfway to their goal, only by twenty five dollars, but they're still over halfway with almost a month left, so they probably will hit their goal, and if they do, it's definitely going to be interesting to see what they do, because this is supposed to be the first private settlement on Mars. So, speaking of crowdfunding, there there's one more thing that kind of was major news. This, this initiative didn't quite succeed at their money-raising goals, but... It did get a lot of attention from a lot of people. Um, Stephen Tompkins is noting this one. Uh, what, which one did you look at that was that was a press getting attention getter and all of that good stuff? Well, uh, the thing that I noticed, and um, as I've said in previous episodes, I've been more and more getting into Linux, and the first Linux distribution I was introduced to was Ubuntu, which I find it to be very powerful. It's easy to use, it's easy to learn, and it'll get somebody, like, if you don't have all that much knowledge about Linux, it's great for you to get started. And the company that backs it is Canonical, and early in last year they decided to start a crowdfunding campaign on Indiegogo, which I don't believe they're... Oh, never mind, I found the page. I thought the page disappeared on Indiegogo, but what it was is it was supposed to be a smartphone, just like most smartphones out there, but they positioned their smartphone between the iPhone 5 and the Galaxy S4, which are about the same price. The specs is what was really surprising to me, because the operating system is, of course, going to be Ubuntu, but and they've been working on the Ubuntu Touch project in the last couple of years, and they've talked about device convergence between desktop, tablet, phone, whatever, whatever it is, TV and it's supposed to be able to run on anything. 
And uh, the phone is, was supposed to be able to do dual boot Android and Ubuntu. They're Ubuntu Touch. And also be able to dock to like a uh, mobile, uh, mobile docking station, hook it up to a normal computer or a TV, and turn it into a full desktop environment running Unity. So, kind of like how you know your phone becomes your computer. You take one universal device across which with you, which they were, had already been playing with and kicking around for quite some time. Um, do you think, though this campaign wasn't successful, it can successfully be used at marketing, saying, "Hey, people are interested in this." Do you think your phone's going to eventually become your computer that you take with you every day, where you just have the appropriate accessories to hook hook your peripherals up to it, and there you go, there's your word processor? Because I'm I'm thinking that's maybe happening at some point as well as devices get smaller and smaller. I, I can definitely agree with that statement. Um, I've I'm using my tablet currently to view notes and various things while we're doing this podcast. And uh, I would prefer that I could just use my phone if my phone had a larger screen. My phone's very capable. I love my phone, but not quite a big enough screen yet. However, it has many capabilities, and I'm only running Android 4.0. Um, I really want. I really wanted to back this project. Unfortunately, I just didn't have the money to, because if you back the project... Uh, depending on which tier you set yourself into, you could you could get into the tier for six hundred ninety five dollars, which was originally like I think seven thirty or seven forty, and you actually would get an Ubuntu Edge when the campaign finished. Once they released it and uh, shipped them out, and mostly was the reason was because it's it's full desktop environment along with a mobile environment, and I can dual boot between Android and Ubuntu. When, when I have my Android phone that has all my stuff backed up to the cloud and whatnot. But, and this this phone also, compared to the other two phones that they listed, the Galaxy S4 and the iPhone 5, it had twice as much RAM as the Galaxy S4, which has twice as much uh, RAM as the iPhone 5. And so, it's just pretty ridiculous, the capabilities that it could have. Computer in a pocket. Literally, because... Uh, the uh, CPU-GPU combination that they wanted to use for this was not going to be an ARM device. They were, I think they were aiming for an x86 device, which is um, not as power-friendly as the ARM, as its ARM counterparts, but a lot more performance out of it. There was uh, recently a, an article on Ars Technica that basically, uh, they apparently did a, a Reddit Ask Me Anything and the Ubuntu community manager, uh, Jono Bacon, uh, wrote uh, that basically that the, their dream isn't dead, and in 2015, that's when they plan to roll out basically this, this setup, um, for the most part. <laughs> he, uh, <coughs> it's an opinion rather than a fact of uh, what he said with that, but that way they can kind of flesh everything out and I actually honestly think that that's the future of uh, most computing is that you're going to have, I mean, it, you can already do this, but I think it's going to be more like set up to where you dock 
I mean, because like phones and tablets and stuff are getting to where they're about as powerful as computers at this point. Most people don't need high-end gaming computers for half the stuff they do. Right. I honestly am uh, wondering if eventually we're not going to have some kind of a hand device that has like Hulu and Netflix and all that stuff attached to it that you dock onto your TV or you dock your phone onto like you know a keyboard type setup and you know that way because everything's been miniaturized so much that it's going to get to the point where we're just going to have these crazy like little docking station systems everywhere or i mean the other thing is they might go back to having a uh, like the cloud computing and have like uh, mainframe type systems again but i don't see that happening nearly as i think that people aren't going to want that nearly as much as something like this and even if they do i think it's you're still going to need something like a handset or something with right you. more well, like it's interesting that you mention that because um, Google is doing something sort of similar with uh, uh, they came out with Chromecast this year. If you if you don't know what Chromecast is, it's just an HDMI port and it con- uh, uh, connects wirelessly wirelessly with like your tablet or your Chromebook Pixel or uh, I think other Chromebooks are supported as well or your phone and you can just. Uh, connect to YouTube, Netflix, or all, any other apps that you already have, and then stream it to your TV. And all it is is just connected through an HDMI port. Wow. And uh, on if you go to their site, it's it's only $35, which is the same price as a Raspberry Pi, just with specific functionality instead of giving all the capabilities you have with the Raspberry Pi. So, um, that... So from from spying on people, confirming it to basically making everything smaller and smaller to where you have a server in your pocket, basically. Because <laughs> I, I, I can see that happening. Server. Mobile hotspot server or something. I don't know. Um, I think that just about wraps it up. We went a little bit over, but that's okay. <laughs> what, what are we sitting at? We are sitting at 49 minutes. Oh, oh nice. wow! <laughs> <laughs> but, but this this is you know not not too shabby. And next episode we can start looking you know a little bit forward, seeing what happens in 2014, what we think may start happening, and everything else. Um, thenextreport.com has all our links to our social networking sites that we frequent, as well as links to the podcast. Um, feel free to join us on there. If you want to leave feedback for this episode or other episodes, 660-474-0345. Um, leave, drop us a voicemail. You could even wind up on another episode of the podcast. Um, and feel free to just leave us feedback. Um, I'm Thomas. I'm Stephen. And I'm the other Stephen. <laughs> Entertain yourself, educate yourself, empower yourself. And we'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye.